Hey everybody, welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Hey, I want to invite you to join me for Global Running Day. The New York Roadrunners has a one mile virtual race that you can be a part of. It sinks to Strava, it's super cool. Over 7,700 people all over the world are already signed up, no matter where you are. The New York Roadrunners Virtual Global Running Day, one mile powered by Strava, allows you to connect with and compete against runners from all corners of the globe, even in your own backyard. Let me be clear, I am not competing, but I am completing the one mile run. And it's so fun because you can connect with people on Strava. You can find me on Strava. I'm Lindsay Hine over there. I track all my runs over there. You can be a part of it by completing the mile for Global Running Day, which is June 5th, by the way. You can complete that anytime between June 1st and June 9th. All right, and get this. Finishers in the U.S. will be entered for an opportunity to win a round-trip flight on United Airlines to fly and run anywhere in the world in hotel accommodations during their trip. Wow, that's a big deal. So make sure you go to nyrr.org slash virtual racing slash Lindsay to sign up. And don't forget to pledge your mile on globalrunningday.org. All right, everybody, this episode today is one of the coolest episodes I've ever recorded. It's with Hannah Setzer. So it's episode 184 with Hannah Setzer. And Hannah was born with a very rare medical condition called cystic hygroma of the head and neck. She's had over 50 surgeries. She's 28 years old. She has a full-time feeding tube and tracheostomy tube. She's had both of those since she was just a few days old. In this episode of the podcast, she shares with us about her life and how she is on a mission to provide everybody with access to at-home fitness. She's been on a mission to move her body for 500 days every single day. She does at least something to move her body, and she documents that over on her Instagram page, Feeding Tube Fitness. She wants this to be accessible to everybody. She's a disability rights advocate at Virginia's Protection and Advocacy Agency for people with disabilities, and she'll tell you it's the best job she could ever have. I am super inspired by Hannah, and shout out to my friend Kristen, who listens to the podcast and is a Patreon supporter who's been supporting this show for so long uh, for leading me to Hannah and giving me a nudge to have her on the show. I always appreciate it when listeners find an inspiring story and encourage me to have someone on. I do want to let you guys know, Hannah is a little bit difficult to understand at times. So listen closely. And after the interview, she even messaged me and she was like, I hope that you could understand me. I tried to talk super slow and clear. And I said, Hey, how do you want me to explain that to everybody? And she said, just whatever you want to say, I don't get offended easily. So I wanted to give you guys a heads up that uh, at the beginning, But as you listen to the episode, you'll begin to understand her more and more. Her positivity and uh, willpower to live her best life is contagious. Oh, and one more thing. Kind of a big deal. She's also a new foster mom. She has a 15-year-old foster daughter. Her and her husband, Brandon, have a 15-year-old foster daughter. And I ask her lots of questions about that because it's a topic I'm always super intrigued about. All right, and before we talk to Hannah, this fall across seven cities, including Detroit, Twin Cities, New England, Seattle, Philadelphia, San Diego, and Dallas, you can join the fight against breast cancer at the Susan G. Komen 3-Day. 
There are so many reasons to commit to this. It's a three-day event. You'll walk 60 inspiring miles so further generations don't have to experience this. This is a big and exciting challenge and a really great way to get involved in the fight against breast cancer. You guys can go to visitthe3day.org to learn more and register today. The three-day is sure to change your life and save so many more. Again, that's the3day.org. Link to register for that, grab some friends, get your community of people involved, and get involved in this event. That's the3day.org. All right, everybody, enjoy my conversation with Hannah Setzer. Well, today on the podcast, we have Hannah Seltzer on the show. Welcome to I'll Have Another Hannah. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Well, our friend Kristen introduced us via Instagram, and I started reading up on your story, and I wanted to get you on the show and share with all of my listeners what you're sharing with your community over on Instagram. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm really honored and excited to be here today. So let's learn a little bit about your life. You live in Virginia with your husband, Brandon, and you have a 15-year-old foster daughter. Is that the case? I do, yeah. and I have been married almost two years now, not long, and I live in Richmond, Virginia, and, and about two months ago, we became foster parents to a 15-year-old girl. Oh, wow. It's that fresh. It's very fresh. Yeah. Okay. So tell everybody uh, a little bit about your life growing up. Uh, you were born, I feel like I'm going to butcher this, but with a condition called cystic hygroma. Did I say it right? Yeah, you said it right. Yeah. So I was born with this condition. It affects my lymphatic system. And, and I have cysts all throughout my head and my neck and and they are in my airway so I breathe through a tracheostomy tube in my neck and they are also in my esophagus so I'm unable to swallow so I eat 100% diastasis tube in my stomach and I've had, we don't even know anymore, like, between 50 and 60 surgeries in the past 28 years. And, and day to day, it doesn't affect too much. I mean, like I said, I eat through a food so that's different every day. But other than that, I'm active, I have a full-time job, I'm a foster nun, I'm just doing all the things. And you're right now, you're on this 500 plus. How many days are you on now with your movement journey? Oh gosh, I don't even know. I literally have to Google it to see if I'm like hunting up on a milestone. <laughs> so 500 days was... About two weeks ago, so I just did it, and I'm at 513 today. Okay, so tell us when that journey started and how 
making fitness and moving your body has kept you as healthy as you possibly can be? Yeah, so last January, January 1st, 2018, I, like everyone else, decided to make a New Year's resolution to lose my body intentionally for 30 days because I had an office job and I just felt like I wasn't as active as a hippie. So I was like, okay, 30 days, I can do this. And so 30 days came and went and I loved it. I was getting into a routine. I was trying different things on YouTube. I was running, doing yoga. And I was like, well, if I did 30, maybe I can do 100. So let's see if I can do 100. And I got to 100, and I just kept going. And eventually got to 365 and was like, I feel awesome. And I started weightlifting during that time and fell in love with that. So I was feeling stronger, just had more energy. And I wasn't getting sick like I had been the most of my life. And and so here I am, 513 days later, and still feeling great. Do you feel a drastic difference? Like if you compare your life now to what you felt like three years ago? Yeah, in terms of my health, I definitely do. So like I was saying, I had tons, like thousands, maybe millions of cysts in my head and my neck and they had the tendency to get infected and and so honestly my whole life I would get sick probably one to two times a month with these infections and and a few years ago I completely changed my diet, which we can talk about too. And and then, yeah, started exercising more. And in the past almost two years now, I had had one infection, where it used to be like two to three a month. And so I'm not getting infections. Like I said, I had more energy, my stamina. And then the not health aspects and like just feeling more disciplined, more motivated. And there's a lot of benefits besides just how I feel. Okay, so tell me this. You're fed solely through a feeding tube. So share with us about that because you said you changed your diet. What does that look like as far as um, being fed through the feeding tube? And give us the details. Sure. So 
I've had this season two my whole life, and I'm 28 years old. And from ages zero until 24, I only ever ate pediasaur and ensor, the stuff that comes in a hand that you can buy at the grocery store or CVS. And and I don't know if you have ever looked at a hand of pediasaur or ensor, but it has like 50-something ingredients, and they're all processed, synthetic, sugar, but it's terrible for you. And and that's what doctors told my parents I had to eat if I wanted to survive. So I was on pediasaur until I was like 18, and then I switched it into insulin, which was kind of just an arbitrary change. It didn't change anything. And, and then when I was 24, I had some friends in the health and wellness space, and they were just like, hey, like, there has to be another way. And I was like, nope, this is it. This is what doctors have said. And, and so I started seeing a chiropractor for the first time in my life. And to be honest, he was terrible. He was terrible? Yeah. He, <laughs> I think he had good intentions, but he was just super reckless. Like, he took me off insulin and took me on a diet that was literally like protein powder and coconut milk. And it was like maybe 600 calories a day. Like, I lost 20 pounds within like three weeks. It was not good. And was he even qualified to do that? And definitely not. <laughs> and yeah, it was super, I was super weak and like brain foggy. And that my friends and were like, okay, like, let's try to figure out a real solution that is not 600 hours a day. And so, honestly, when she, like, reset and just put things into the Nice Fitness Pal app, like, for hours and hours, like, trying to think of a food combination that I can blend up and put through my feeding tube. And it was definitely trial and error and to find out what kind of things would blend up easily and what would not. And, like, just funny things, like, I can put half of an avocado 
in that season. This has hit a hole as it had to. It's like Tuesday, nothing's done anywhere. And so this trial and error. And so now I have a blended diet. And I pretty much do the same things every day. And it's a lot of her and real foods and there's not any processed sugar and and I'm still like I still treat it like the past few weeks I had been waking up in the middle of the night hungry which doesn't usually happen and I guess maybe because it's so hot outside and I'm just so active. So even today, I like doubled the amount of things that I normally put in that food to see if that will help keep me through throughout the whole night. So it's definitely a process that I'm always learning about new things to try and I just recently started using halogen powder so I'm always open to new things and new suggestions. So do you still take insure at all? Oh no. Not Uh at all. It's all real food. It's all real food and which is obviously great. I'm so that's more healthy than I was, that it's hard when I'm on the road. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't just pick up something at a gas station unless I want to pick up something like muscle milk or another protein shake that has sugar in it. And so I have to definitely playing ahead a lot more than I used to and with the insulin. Yeah. So do you not take insulin at all anymore? Oh, I said with the insulin, not insulin. Oh, wait, what'd you say? Oh, the insure. Yes, yes, yes. The insure. No, that's okay. But you mentioned earlier about your chiropractor taking you off insulin. Were you on insulin at all times when you took the insure and are you not on it anymore? No, I, I'm sorry. I never said insulin. It was always Always insure. Just... Gotcha. Okay. Sorry, sorry. No, that's okay. Um, Yeah, okay. That makes sense to me. Because so, when he took you off and you just, your calories went down so significantly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense to me now. Um. All right. So you've also ran five half marathons. I had... Which, Tell us about that. And it's so funny, like, in a lot of circles, that's, like, super impressive. I think that then listening to your podcast, and you had, like, Olympic athletes on here, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, this is nothing. <laughs> and, yeah, I... I run five half marathons and I started when I was in college. So I was probably 21 
and I just had the idea, and my dad, who was very supportive, but realistic, was like, hey, man, you cannot run a half marathon. And I was like, oh, rocks need to do it. And so, yeah, I started running my senior year in college, and, and I was on N4 at the time. So I would just have, like, twice the amount of N4 I normally had. And which definitely sustains me that I don't think it was probably great since <laughs> it was all health. And but yeah, I the last one I did was in twenty fifteen when I was doing my masters and I literally signed up without any training just to see what would happen. And I did it, and it was totally fine. And I felt like such a champion to running a half marathon without training, which is not a smart thing to do. <laughs> so don't anyone don't take your advice. That that's like a great idea. It's not. That it is possible, apparently. What is, yeah, you, yeah, I've, I've done it before and I also don't recommend it. <laughs> um, but tell me about this because, um, you know, we've mentioned your feeding tube, you've had over 50 surgeries and you also, uh, have a tra- tracheotomy, tracheostomy, is that how you say it? Tracheostomy? Yeah, tracheostomy tube. Yeah, you have a tracheostomy tube, uh, which you use to breathe out of, so how does that work with doing an endurance sport like running a half marathon? Yeah. And so to that up a little bit, when I was little, the doctors told my parents, like, oh, she's never going to talk. She's never going to be active. And, and as you can probably tell, I don't like to be told that I can't do things. So I didn't think that sounded like a good idea. So I learned how to talk. I learned how to be active. And and honestly, I, I mean, I had never not had a trait tube, so I don't know what it feels like to not have one. And I think it definitely takes more effort than you can breathe and to run, and especially to run in dance races, like a half marathon. And that, yeah, I mean, I haven't ever had any issues with it. And it's kind of similar to a nose, like, if there's any drainage or anything, I can throw out of it into a tissue, like a nose. And so if there ever was, like, a hog or something stuck in it, I would just throw it out into a tissue and just keep going. Hey, friends, a quick break to 
let you know that I have a Patreon page available where you can support the podcast and get bonus episodes over there. I have so many bonus episodes with returning guests and bonus questions with guests that have been on the show as well. Like I'll keep them on for an extra 15 minutes and do bonus questions sometimes. And then also episodes with my husband, Glenn. Thank you so much, everybody who's already supporting over there. I want to give a shout out to some of our newest supporters over on Patreon. Nicholas Dye, Victoria Gaddon, Jennifer Bigham. Hello, Jen. She was actually a recent guest over on Patreon. Catherine Levescu, Leslie Mosley. So many awesome people over there. Jill Zabi, Zabi, Kelsey Peterson. Thank you guys so much over there who are already supporting. You guys can support the show for three, five, ten, whatever, however many dollars a month you'd like to support over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. I appreciate each and every one of you who are already doing so. Thanks so much. And I'm going to take this opportunity to ask you if you haven't already done so to leave a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen in your podcast app. It's one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. And I'm going to read my most recent review here. Merle Dixon. Love listening to Lindsay when I'm riding in the car. She's super upbeat, has great guests who inspire me to run faster. And as a mom, I love hearing about her family life too. Love following on Instagram and seeing her balance of four boys, podcast, and running. Thank you so much for that review. I did see that I have another new rating that's actually a one star. I'm waiting for that review to come in though because those usually pop up. The reviews usually pop up a couple days after the actual rating pops up. So... Maybe I offended someone. I don't know. But anyway, if you have a second and you could be so kind, I would appreciate our rating and review so, so very much. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here and supporting the show. I hope you're getting as much inspiration out of this conversation with Hannah as I have. Enjoy the rest of my conversation with Hannah Setzer. All right. Talk to me about your parents because the doctors told your parents that well, A, you wouldn't live very long, but that you wouldn't yeah. lead an active or normal life. Right. Whatever normal means, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm curious to know about your relationship with them and how they, you know, they ushered you into this life, like this adulthood that you have that's so, you are so mentally and physically strong. So what were some of their, their, what was part of their parenting style? Yeah, I think every time somebody tells me, like, oh, you're so strong, I'm like, y'all have no idea. Like, my parents have to be a thousand times stronger than I am because they're, had to watch their baby girl go through all of this. And to me, I never had a choice. It was just kind of what I had to do. And so they are super strong. And I have three older brothers who are amazing. And they are my best friends today. And and they just never treated me any differently. 
and my parents didn't treat me any differently, and my siblings didn't either. And and I remember having conversations with my parents about like, okay, Hannah, if you want to just sit in a, in your room the rest of your life and be mad at the world, like that's okay. You can do that and nobody will be upset with you, nobody will judge you. Like if you want to be mad that this is the life you have, that's okay with us. And that that sounded like a terrible life to have. And so yeah, I just did everything that other kids did and I was a Girl Scout, I was in sports, I had lots of friends and and my parents were just always so supportive, even today and but right a few years after I graduated college I had the opportunity to move overseas to Brazil and I was like, oh, my parents will never be okay with this. <laughs> and I just approached them one day and said, hey, this opportunity has come for me to live in Brazil, but what do you think? And my mom, without missing a beat, was like, yeah, you should do it. And she, like, so they got me a runway plane ticket to Brazil. Oh, my and gosh. I moved to Brazil for nine months. And what did you do there? I was living at a children's home, and I helped them out and administratively with some bright lighting and fundraising. And, and I taught English, which I don't really think I knew what I was doing. <laughs> and, so yeah, I did a lot of administrative stuff and for fundraisers back in the United States. That's so cool. Yeah, it's awesome that, I mean, it's just crazy to think that somebody as medically complex as me with a season two then like we didn't know how that would work in Brazil and my parents are like, yeah, like let's do it. But what's the doing out? And they had always just supported me and helped me figure out all the crazy <laughs> dreams and ideas that I have had. Um, I know it's not part of your Instagram. Uh, you guys can follow Hannah Feeding Tube Fitness, but she, I, I want you to share a picture of your family someday. Will you do that sometime? Yeah, I I, I like, I just want to, I just want to visually, like I see what your parents are like and in your brothers, like that sounds like you come from such an amazing family. Um, I want to talk about Something that's really important. Um, probably a lot of people listening to this podcast have kids, right? Um, not everybody, but a good handful. 
And I know you've talked about, um, you know, growing up, people maybe said mean things to you about how you may look. And also you've talked about it now, like what you would want a parent to say if their child is pointing at someone with a disability. Um, what What is your message? And as parents, how can we arm our kids? You know, my oldest son is six and I want him to be able to face, look every single person in the eye, you know, um, and, and do the right thing. So can you speak on that a little bit to it for us? Yeah, that's a great question. I appreciate it. And so I think it's different for kids and adults and kids are just so naturally curious about things. I'm sorry, like a six-year-old and younger, you know that. And, and so I think it's natural for kids to ask questions. And so I think parents, especially in young kids, I think you can start having these conversations early. And, and especially with social media these days, and you can find so many inspirational and accounts of people with disabilities and medical conditions. I mean, I have parents all the time messaging me on Instagram saying, I love showing the account to my kids to show them about people with season tunes and traits. And so I think, yeah, just starting these conversations early about that not everybody looks the same, not everyone is able to do the same things that we can do. And, and talking about, hey, if we are out in public, and you see someone that looks different or sounds different or has a wheelchair or medical device, like, let's not point at them, but why don't we go say hi to them and talk to them? And, and obviously, not everyone with a disability or a medical condition always wants to be talked to, but people might be in the grocery store just trying to die their note and ends like everyone else. And that I think you can't ever go wrong with saying hi to somebody. And, and if your child does have questions, you can say, Hi, excuse me, my son had a question about your wheelchair. They had a question about the tube in the neck, if they had a trait. And I think, I know for me, our nuts always, our nuts rather always be asked directly about something 
that have people talk about me or whisper about me, or I can hear them that they're not addressing me, like, oh, at that girl, she probably has XYZ, or like, I bet she was in a car accident, or whatever. I mean, people say crazy things, they assume crazy things, so I would just always want to be asked directly. And usually kids would be like, why is your mouth open? Or why are your teeth so big? Which is so funny because my teeth are the same size as everyone else's teeth. That you can just see them. <laughs> which I guess mm-hmm. makes them look bigger. Mm-hmm. And and I'll be like, oh, uh, this is just how I was born. And it doesn't hurt that I know her. And usually kids are like, oh, yeah, like, she's okay. Like, after I say, like, hey, it's all dead. This is just how I was born. And kids are like, okay, cool. <laughs> like, I think kids are. But once a kid realizes that they are just talking to a person like everyone else, like, they are totally satisfied with that that answer. And, And, yeah, I get really frustrated when I hear kids say something and their parents tell them to be quiet or, like, like, don't look, don't look. And, because I think that just reinforces to people, to kids, that, like, oh, if you look different, then you are not to be talked to, and you are not to be acknowledged. And I think it just reinforces bad stereotypes as opposed to it can take the time to have a 15-second conversation with a person. You can learn something new. They feel more comfortable. It's just a better situation for everyone involved. Yeah, and talk about um, what you do for a living. You, you're a disability rights advocate, so naturally that seems to be a good fit for you because you know how to speak on behalf of people who may have disabilities, but what exactly do you do for them and how'd you land that job? Yeah. So a few years ago, I went back to school to get my master's in social work. And I always knew I wanted to help and advocate people people with disabilities and because this is just in my whole life as advocating for myself and educating people about my life and other people with disabilities lives and and so um, about two years ago now I discovered that every single state has a 
protection and advocacy agency for people with disabilities. And so you can just Google your state, Indiana, California, and then just put like protection and advocacy for people with disabilities and it'll come up. And so I found out about it and I was like, this is it. Like, this is the place I want to be. This is my dream job to be a disability advocate. And, and I got the job and as an advocate. And I and in, in our communities unit, so I do a lot of work in the community, and that works a lot of different ways. And I had cases right now and when people had gone to the doctor's office and requested a sign language interpreter because they're deaf, and the doctor's office has said, no, we don't do that, which is not true because they have to under the law. And so I will reach out to the doctor's office and say, hey, FYI, this is the law. And if they still say, oh, we don't have to do that, then we had attorneys on staff and we are more than happy to see people that don't comply with the law. And I also had cases of somebody tries to go to a restaurant and they're in a wheelchair and there's no way for them to get into the restaurant because it has stairs. And so I do a lot of accessibility work and I've had cases against organizations like the Dale Stouts and the Boy Stouts and and yeah, I mean it's just hours in the neck and anyone can call us and say, Hey, this is my situation and if it fits within our projects and threats to the year And then another thing that you're passionate about, uh, that, and I love that you kind of just like took this on yourself when you were starting to look into workout programs and, and whatnot, uh, you weren't finding a lot of information for people that might have disabilities might be working out with the feeding tube. And now you have, a 30 day program that you created, which is just like, so cool. I just, I love it when people can't find what they are looking for. And then they just say, I'm going to take care of this. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So as I last year got more into fitness, I was just kind of toting around and on Pinterest and Amazon for programs for people with disabilities. And, and that could be 
people who are dying death in a wheelchair, I mean, you name it. And, and it's literally like one DVD on Amazon that people in wheelchairs can do exercises. And then there's like some like text books about it that there's no like I mean you you know, if you go on Pinterest and you type in thirty day fitness plan, there's literally like millions and millions of plans. But if you type in thirty day fitness plan then people with disabilities, there's nothing. And which I was honestly surprised that I was like, oh, there has to be stuff out there because there's like adaptive CrossFit athletes, there's adaptive wheelchair athletes, I mean, there's um, people in the Olympics, you know, that are in wheelchairs or and like Olympian and Tony who doesn't have legs and so I was like there's people doing this that there's not accessible fitness programs and a lot of the programs on Pinterest and YouTube and are maybe physically accessible than people can do that if they don't have action on their videos on YouTube, then people who are deaf and hard of hearing don't know what they're saying. Or if there's a website with a fitness program on it, that it's not accessible to a screen reader, which is like, and turn on your computer that can read all the text to you if you are visually impaired. And if they're not compatible with that, then you don't have access to it. So I created a 30 day fitness program and I put captions on all of my videos. I had extremely detailed um, instructions to all the movements. Like, I think the reading level on them is like a second grade reading level. So it was accessible to people who might have intellectual disabilities as well. And, and I definitely not a fitness expert, I'm not a certified trainer, I'm not an IT person. So I'm saying that there's things I can do to improve, and I'm working right now with a few people to turn it into an an e-book so it will be more accessible, and that I'm trying to do the best I can do. Have you ever thought about becoming certified in like a, uh, to become a personal trainer? 
Maybe. I mean, I... Yeah, that would be really neat. And I know that there is gyms across the country that have personal trainers that are certified to work with people with different disabilities. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if there's a, a, a lot of people with disabilities who are personal trainers. Yeah. So that would definitely be neat. And, yeah, I mean... Just add it to the list. Add it to the list. <laughs> giant dreams I have for my life. <laughs> I mean, you just packed up and went to Brazil after college, so <laughs> I I could see you pursuing this like it was nothing. <laughs> yeah, uh, that would be neat. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about... Well, first of all, let me just say this. I'm going to call myself out. I My podcast is not transcribed, and it needs to be transcribed for people... Um, who are deaf like there's no reason it's not so I'm gonna hire someone to do that after this conversation wow that's awesome yeah I mean it's it's pretty embarrassing that I haven't already done that for that reason if nothing else so um yeah I need to step up and do that I want to talk to you about being a foster parent though and how that piece of your life came to be? Did you always want to be a mom? What does that look like? Yeah, so I did not always want to be a mom. And I, to be totally honest, I never thought I would be married or be a mom. And not in like a self-deprecating way. And I just really never thought that would be my life. And, and so when Brady and I got married, we talked about adoption. And I think we both are pretty passionate about adoption. And I, a few years ago, went through the process and having genetic testing done. And has we didn't think that any of my medical stuff was genetic, that I was like, I need to be a thousand percent sure that it's not. And, And that was just a personal decision that, I mean, before Brandon, and that I would just never want to have a child like myself, which I think surprises people, and it sounds a little bit selfish, and that I just know all of the struggles and hardships that I have been through. And I didn't want to, one, put a child through that, and two, to have to go through that again as a parent. Mm-hmm. And, and so all the genetic testing turned out totally fine. And then I was like, okay, well, what about my season two? But what would happen if I got pregnant 
and my belly got dead. Like, when my season two just fell out, like, what would happen? And so I talked to some doctors, and they literally said to me, oh, we had no idea what would happen. And I was like, well, that sounds like a terrible thing to find out <laughs> when it's too late. And, like, I would not want to get pregnant and have any issues with my feeding tube and have to figure that out on the fly while being pregnant. And so that just had to put an end to that in mind and Brandon's head. Like, okay, if we don't know all the possibilities that could happen, then it's not worth taking the risk for us and to deny life and health in danger. And, and so we started talking about foster care and, and just as we learned more and more about how many thousands and millions of kids in the United States are in foster care, we were like, okay, like, we have to do this. There's no other... After knowing what we knew about how severe the need was, there was no turning back. And so in November of last year, we started taking classes and doing all the home studies. And we got a call from our agency on a Wednesday. And they said, this is in April. And they said, Hey, congratulations, you're done with all the classes. You are certified foster parents. And we said, yeah. And then literally 10 minutes later, they had that and said, hey, two days from now, we'll take a 15-year-old deal. And we said, can we think about it? And they said, no, this is an emergency but we have to know within the hour. And we said, okay. And two days later, she was dropped off. And that was eight weeks ago. And it's good. She's awesome. And she's so smart and funny. And we're just the hand parents of the night to a 15-year-old. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And I, sorry, there's a little bit of feedback. I think it went away though. Um, yeah, I mean, and the thing about foster care and people listening probably know this, but just the, usually the need for placement of older children is so high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, I talked about it a lot and, and I, with all that medical stuff, I, just have to get sleep and like I can get really run down and really sick easily 
if I don't have enough rest at night and and Brandon didn't have no desire to change any darkness. <laughs> so we were like, okay, let's not take babies. And, and there is such an instant teenagers. And honestly, now that we have a teenager, we are like, how does anyone, like, I think the least parents have to wait 15 years to get to this point. Like, this is awesome. Like, teenagers are awesome. Like, she, I mean, she can do all the things that we need her to do, and we can have really fun and insightful conversations with her. And so we are, like, never in that, like, anyone else that wants all the babies can have all the babies <laughs> they want. Like, Lose all the sleep and have all the babies. You're taking the 15-year-old. Yeah, like, yeah, she... Like, we talked about having, like, six years old and up. Okay. And now we're like, oh, my gosh, like... I can't imagine having a six-year-old hand that we couldn't, like, ask to do the dishes. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, what is it? Like, that she can, a 15-year-old can walk down the street to her son's house and we, like, know that she is where she says she is. And, like, yeah, we just are so grateful that we got the choice that we got first because she like has just opened our eyes to how great teenagers are and we are just we are so lucky to have her. Now I know this is probably I know with with the foster system this is a hard a hard thing that people have to walk to do you have any idea like will you eventually adopt her or is that just like totally you just don't know yet? And we don't know that the door of foster care is always reunification with the family. And then she, like, I'm 99.9% sure that she will go home. And it's just a matter of when. And that, yeah, I mean, we... And she and her on, like, we talk to her now, and she talks to her now, and, like, we are definitely 100% on board with her doing that to her family. And, yeah, we don't have any, like, expectations otherwise, or desires otherwise. I mean, she's great, and she can stay as long as she needs to with us, that, like, we are 100% on board with her doing that with her family. Yeah, that's that's really important message, that the number one goal is the family reunification. Um, man, she's really fortunate young lady to be in your home for, you know, the temporary, the time being. Uh, mm. What have you... What have you learned from from the experience so far? 
And I had definitely learned and I did learn that I am very similar to nine parents. And I think it's so funny growing up that your parents will say things like, because I'm the adult and because I'm the parent. And you're like, that's the most annoying thing you can ever say. But then you have a head and you can be in a disagreement with them. And you literally say, because I'm the parent, and that's why. <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh, like, how did I get to this point? And, yeah, I think I, like, Danny and I will hang out now and have date night, and I feel like all we want to do is talk about I hid. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wait, what did we talk about in the family with parents? Like, I still didn't know. So I think it's just so, like, when people have babies and they say, what did I ever do before this baby was in my world? And I think before you had a hid, you're like, Oh my gosh, like, you're still a person that does things. But then we became parents and we're like, what was our life like before her? It's just so funny. And obviously, I still had a job and I'm doing my fitness stuff and running my social media. So I'm still doing all the things that I want to do with my life. And yeah, it's just so, it's just one of those things that like, you don't know it until you're in it. <laughs> like, you don't know what you don't know until the situation comes. Yeah. Then you know. <laughs> totally. I know. I, I always say like, what did I do with all my time before I had all these kids? Like, I know I was not just laying around all day, but <laughs> man, they consume a lot of time. Um, now I want to get to the end of the podcast questions and I just wanted to ask you one more thing about the, um, foster care thing though. Do you, do your, like, what do your parents, do you live near your parents and what do they think about you taking this, um, step in your life? And my parents live about two hours away and Brandon's parents do too. So I see then pretty often and I had some siblings that live in Richmond as well and they have children so my parents are here often to see the babies which is nice and yeah my parents like everything else are super supportive Brandon's parents are too and they I think it can be hard for sure for parents to like trust us and trust that like yeah, if we do bring kids in that has issues because of abuse or 
who knows what in the foster system. I think they can feel a little apprehensive, but which I think is a natural parent reaction, and that they totally support us, and like they have, but we have all done it to see them as a family. They had come to see us as a family, and yeah, so they're super involved and super supportive. That's awesome. All right, Hannah. What is one thing personally or professionally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Um, I would like to write a book. I would like to write a memoir. Um, which I have definitely written on in the past. Um, but then I feel like life just happens and I get sucked into other things, like this Instagram account, which has taken off a lot more than I ever thought. And so I would love to write a book. I would love um, to do a TED Talk about people with disabilities and fitness. And there's like the two fitness goals. But now I want to be a personal trainer. Yeah. You put the idea in my head. Yeah, you're yeah. doing that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Okay, what is an accomplishment you are most proud of? Um, I would say fitting the job that I have. And honestly... From the day I started, I told people, like, this is my dream job. I'm never going to leave. And I've only been there for about two years now. But I can still say, like, this is my dream job. I don't ever want to leave. And I have told Brandon, like, hey, if I ever become famous, which is Probably a real possibility. And, but you have to figure out how to, like, manage all the things because I'm not ever quitting my job to become a famous person. <laughs> You're not so, quitting to become an Instagram influencer. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, that's cool if that happens. But I'll hire people to, like, being my social media manager and whatever, that, like, I'm still doing this job because I love it, I believe in it, and I don't, I don't want to stop. What if you become a personal trainer, though, and you want to do that full-time? Oh, my gosh, I know. <laughs> when you said that, I got sad <laughs> that I would have to quit my job. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, you just have to have everybody managing all the other things. Like, if you write a book, you have to have an agent managing that. If you do, te- right. if you do speaking engagements, you just have you have to have like a scheduler or something. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um, what is the best, most recent book you've read? And um, I am in the middle of reading Michelle O'Donnell's memoir, The Hunting. 
and it is so good. She is a fantastic writer, and she's just honest, and I mean, I only as I knew her, like everyone else, as President Obama's wife, and just thought she was beautiful and stylish, and <laughs> that reading her book is just so, like, I'm just so impressed with her, with her voice and toys and, and her education and knowledge, but yeah, it's just really neat to learn more about her in her own words. Yeah. Who is someone that you would like to have coffee or cocktail with? Um, so many people. I would love to, well, I would love to be on the Ellen show. Ooh. I think that would be more fun than just having coffee with her. Mm-hmm. But who knows? And I would like to have coffee with Beyonce. Because I think that would be very fun. And yeah, I would say, like, yeah, Beyonce and maybe Lady Gaga, because I secretly love her. Oh, I love Lady Gaga. Yeah. Well, and part of your exercise stuff that you do, you do like hip hop dance videos in your house, don't you? Oh my gosh, yeah, it's so embarrassing. That's so fun, though. It's very fun. But, like, I started doing in the video, and my foster daughter in the video, <laughs> and I posted on Instagram, and they were like, like, this is a little embarrassing. <laughs> and I was like, I know. But I had, I mean, I, especially on Instagram, like, I don't use filters. I don't, like, everything you see is a thousand percent just who I am, like, written out in my house, usually in my bedroom. And it's like, this is just me. And I just want to show that, like, fitness can be accessible. Like, you don't have to pay. $50 a month to gym membership when you can do hip-hop dance studios in the kitchen. Love it. Yeah. That, that's so <laughs> awesome. What's one message you'd like to send to the world? And definitely that people with disabilities and medical conditions can do anything and that anyone else can do and it might look different and I don't know if you know the author and speaker Rachel Hollis that she talks a lot about and moving your body for 30 minutes every day and she even says like hey if you can't physically move your body like spend 30 minutes a day in meditation or gratitude. And so I think things like that, that they are ways to incorporate goal setting and, and achieving their dreams. And it just looks different for everyone. 
and it's still possible for everyone, I think. That's so good. Well, Hannah, this has been so fun. Thank you so much for taking your time to talk with me, and thank you all for all that you're doing. Um, you know, you're you're tackling something that you found there was a need for, and you're doing it. Lindsay, I appreciate you so much. I appreciate your kind words and your encouragement, and yeah, it really means a lot to me that. And I find Kristen connected us and that you and saw what I was doing and that you heard my message and that you are helping me share that message with so many more people. Awesome. Oh, thank you so much. You enjoy your family time tonight. Thank you too, Lindsay. Okay. Bye, Hannah. Bye. All right, friends, thanks so much for tuning in today. Don't forget to sign up for the Susan G. Komen three-day event. You can go to the3day.org to join in one of their three-day events across the seven different cities I mentioned earlier where you walk 60 miles in three days. Pretty cool event to support the fight against breast cancer at the3day.org. And then lastly, join us for Global Running Day anytime between June 1st and June 9th. You can run your mile to celebrate Global Running Day with the New York Roadrunners. Go to nyrr.org slash virtual racing slash Lindsay and get signed up. Connect on Strava and make your pledge at globalrunningday.org. I will be pledging my mile and I will be participating in this event. Actually, next Thursday here in Indy, we have the Monumental Mile. And so I'm going to be doing my mile with my kids at the Monumental Mile for Global Running Day. And I'll... I'll sync my Strava up to that and be registered to go. So make sure when you register, you go to nyrr.org slash virtual racing slash Lindsay. Find me on Strava, Lindsay Hine. All right, everybody, you can connect with me over on social media. On Instagram, I'm lindsayhine626. Make sure you're also following Hannah on Instagram. She's feeding tube fitness. And you can find me on Twitter at Lindsay Hine and Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine where we have a group as well. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Hannah, for sharing your story and Kristen for connecting us. And I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Have a great weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday.